Hey everybody, welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm your pal Slowbeef. With me, of course, my good friend Pola Hoko. Hey yeah. My good friend Rosella. Hello. My good friend Jim. Hey everybody. My good friend Oren Ronan. Good evening. <sighs> oh shit. Um, we were so close. Five out of six, but um fortunately Turbo could not make it, so we're getting there. We will have quorum. We will have a full jury at some point. Um, but for now... We don't even have a full jury for this child, so... <laughs> That's true. It's true. Um, who, who wants to start? What happens here? Because uh, it's some good stuff here in the old... Um, in the old great ace attorney, right? Well, we're coming off the... Coming off the trails of the last case, which, you know, I wasn't here for that podcast, but I do want to say I really like Trevor. Trevor's an interesting character to me. Um, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, Trevor. I mean, not, not really good, a but good yeah, guy, like you know, but it, I liked how he's just kind of modeled after a robot for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, it's after the case, and we're in what appears to be a hotel lobby. We do get this, um, the usual um, pre-chapter Little. Oh yeah, the usual, you know, Sherlock Holmes, oh, the game is afoot. Um, but yeah, the introduction there is, uh, it, it, it uh, introduces uh, an, an odd advertisement and a bunch of people with red hair. Um, we learn in the last trial that uh, Genshin, Cosmo's father, was involved in a mass murder. And this trial is, I'm assuming, going to be about him and his impact. Um, but we, after that, we seem to be in a hotel and we're receiving some special guests, which are Suzato's father and someone I didn't expect to see again, uh, the judge from the first case, the very first tutorial case. We were told he was coming though, last time. Well, yeah, they were, but I didn't, I didn't either remember it or, you know, <laughs> I was surprised. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> Seishiro Jigoku. It is still weird to see him, because uh, at this point, we've seen him outside of, of trial, but he was still wearing his judge robes. But now when we see both uh, him and, and Suzada's dad, they're both, you know, all dressed up like dapper British gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, which is which is just, I mean, it's a good look, frankly. Yeah, and he looks significantly younger. For some reason, when I saw him looking younger in the sort of the, you know, in the, in the sort of Western outfit that, that I was like going back and like, didn't he have gray hair before? And I went back. I'm like, no, he didn't. He didn't have gray hair in the original artwork, but it just, he looked older and more like, you know, more uh, official and more serious um, in his judge's robes. Big guy worth saying, you know? Yeah. I mean, that beard goes with those judge's robes. It kind of clashes with his gentleman outfit, but it, 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 it looks okay. You also got like a, a lot more personality out of him right now. But he's not that serious anymore. He's like, he's just joking around, um, reminding Naruhodo who he is by, by like striking his hammer and calling guilty. Yeah, I'm really glad that the judge in these games is more like of a character and not just like, oh, I'm the clueless old man. You have to tell me everything. Santa with a gavel. Yeah. I don't know what he banged it against, but he sure did. <laughs> yeah. In addition to being the judge, he's also like the the minister of like public affairs or something. Like he has some high up rank in the government, right? So, which is why he's here, I suppose. That's right for the for the symposium. Yeah, he he was the one that was invited for the symposium. He just dragged Mikoto by along. Yeah, because he's the minister of foreign affairs. So, which is apparently exactly what what he did when they went to London in the first place. 
Right. Yep. So anyway, uh, we meet in the the great the Great Waterloo Hotel in London. Um, there there are no achievements for examining things in the Great Waterloo Hotel. <laughs> right. So we don't bother. Right. Well, I didn't know that at the time. You <laughs> Would know. you have bothered though? No. Um, <laughs> would uh, still can figure out how the modern world works. It's a nice looking hotel. It's it's very fancy. He's like mystified by the chandelier. If you look at it. Well, Naruto's <laughs> mystified by a lot of things, though. That's <laughs> yeah. true, actually, yeah. But he's also been there for like a year now. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't see one before? What? Well, imagine the world through Naruto's eyes where every day is an adventure. Unless it's a scary adventure, in which case... Uh, yeah, unless it's scary. Then <laughs> What's that, a ghost? Ah! It's like, it's not. It's a sheet. It's, you know, it's a... Oh, but it had eye holes. Like, it didn't, Naruto. I'm sorry. But, um... Ruh-ro. Ruh. <laughs> <laughs> that's Toby. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um. So, anyway, like, uh... We still haven't talked to Kazuma, right? It's like still no. just like, yeah, he's been kind of alone. And we sort of bring that up when we talk to them, right? Yeah, they didn't even know. But but before that, we, we straight out like bring out, oh yeah, your friend that you went um, you went to England with 16 years ago, he's to- totally murdered some people, right? <laughs> we just bring it up straight away. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, we, we try to defend him when he was accused, but you know... They kind of wanted us back home, so I was like, sorry. Also, we never told his son what really happened, but he suspected something was wrong. That's probably why he came here. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should have told him, but anywho. How are you? Did you try the biscottis? I think they're... <laughs> but yeah, they, they also didn't know that Kazuma is still alive. Yeah, they knew his body went missing. I don't I don't know if I buy, I don't know if I buy this. Like, it's like, definitely the judge didn't know. Definitely what? That the judge, I don't think the judge knew, but I don't know if Mikotoba is is being completely honest because it seems like he keeps lying about a lot of stuff. No, it, it sounds to me like the, like the no one actually did know because we later do find out what happened with Asogi when he went missing, and he wasn't brought into England by anyone. He just got there on his own. I think the the point is just like how could you not know? You know what I mean? Like the fact that he was missing, the, the fact that it was so like they. They covered it up and they had the fake um, grave um, just because, like, oh, oops, we lost the corpse. I, I don't know. It just seemed, to, <laughs> to me, it just it, it raised some questions. It, it, I think there is a, a re- reasonable explanation for why he got there and what he's doing there and that that information wouldn't get back. But it, it, they just seem suspicious to me and their, their actions to cover all this up. It's like a depressing weekend at Bernie's. They, they do a good job of playing shocked, I think. Yeah, to be fair, a lot of people are suspicious as hell right now. Mikotoba, definitely. Sholmes still has stuff that he's not telling us. And even Kazuma has stuff. That it's like, that's what every other person in this chapter does. It's like, well, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit, but I'm still not going to tell you. Yeah, everybody has an agenda. Everyone's working with some kind of information that we don't have. Well, it's only case four. I mean, we should try that shit. When they ask us for evidence, we'd just be like, you know what? I'll give it to you tomorrow. The state secret. I think that's uh, this. This is what the square button does, actually. So, did anyone notice the big foreshadowing line that they had in this conversation? Actually, no. Which one's that? That's like, as a, as a detective story reader, that caught my attention immediately because there was no reason to mention it otherwise. And, and that's that hmm. when they got into England, um, Mikotoba had to have his luggage checked, but the judge didn't because yeah. of 
um, diplomatic immunity. Yep. I miss that. And you don't, you don't mention something like that unless it's going to come up later. Right. Uh, why write this line at all? Unless, um, because then Danny Glover can, sh- can like, you know, he can tell him diplomatic immunity and he can shoot you and say, just been revoked, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but it's always funny, too, because it's like they're complaining about their travel, and they're just like, oh, I had to wait so long to get through while you didn't because of diplomatic immunity. That was the that was the TSA pre, like, of, of the day, you know? <laughs> and and they, they also, like, point out that the, lug, the, the judge's luggage is very large. You actually see it in the scene. And apparently he didn't have to get it checked, so he has there's something in there. I honestly don't remember what. I played this game before. I don't remember... Um, if mm-hmm. this actually comes up later, but um, I, I I think it will because this was a very suspicious life. Yeah, I well, agree. They telegraphed it. Yeah, yeah. It's just his ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on really funny uh, offensive English stereotypes in my ventriloquist <laughs> dummy. <Yes. laughs> the ancestor of Jeff Dunham. Yeah, and then they get the picture taken. Yeah, I'm assuming that's important too. No, it's just a nice little thing that goes into the court record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and the luggage guy was one of the previous d- jury members, right? Yeah, it, it, well, if it's not the same, it has to be the same guy, right? Because these people keep popping up again. Well, you know, only 10 people exist in this country. <laughs> it's true. That's right. why they have such a problem with the jury pool. <laughs> I think it's just their random number generator is really bad. Like, it's just like a lottery that they spin and it's all like a bunch of fives. <laughs> yeah. Today you are a luggage person. Yeah, they they haven't invented they haven't invented random number generators, so they just roll a d12. They're like, oh, we keep keep getting the same twelve people. Yeah. <laughs> we were only able to sign twelve people. Yeah. Um, let's, what do you call it? Uh, oh, and then uh, let's see here. Uh, so okay, we get the picture, and then they leave, and then it's like off to the races. Um, no, it's off to. Uh, Oh, we're going to go to... Well, we, we can start at several places. We, 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 we can go to the, the Sholm South and to mm-hmm. the um, uh, Strong Hearts. I think I did that, actually. Right. Yeah. So which one do we want to go over first? You, you can also get, I think, the trophy for looking at the uh, shovel uh, all the times here. Because this is the last time, apparently, that you can. Mm-hmm. If you go to the attic. I didn't get it yet. I have to go back and do it earlier. But so yeah, I, I went to the attic. I look at the shovel and I got a trophy. So it's called digging deeper. Actually, I think um, if you're not playing it on a Sony console, it's called an accolade. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing it on a Switch and just like an internal um, trophy gotcha. system. It's so weird because like, I'm doing the same thing. They just pop up and then they go into the ether someplace. Like they're just gone. I think it's in one of the menus you can go into uh, from the main menu. You can see all of them. Yeah. Well, isn't it like you have to get accolades to to get, like, the different costumes? If only there were some kind of federated blockchain solution to prove (laughs) that you had a trophy or an achievement of some... Oh, I'm sorry. That's the brain worms burrowing deeper into my cerebrum. What were we saying? Anyway. (laughs) um, Let's start with um, Strongheart's place because that's shorter. And have less to do with with the rest of the the chapter. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, so you go there, and uh, what happens there? You, you just talk to to Strongheart a lot. Yeah, Strongheart is there, and Von Zeeks is there too. Yeah, 
so they're they're talking um but i think like basically as soon as we as we're like hey hello we're also here i think von zeke's leaves right and basically strongheart was telling von zeke's to get ready for the forensic symposium which is still happening despite the fact that uh we inadvertently, you know, brought out a black stain on the entire concept of forensic science and to set back the country's progress by at least 10 years. Yeah, sorry we got your entire forensics team arrested for either murder or conspiracy. Yeah. Not really our fault on that one. I mean, I'm, you know. Well, I mean, he, and he admits it. He's like, no, it's, no, it's all good. It's all good. Well, yeah, he admits it and then shoots daggers immediately. Like, no, it's perfectly fine that you undermine my entire life's work. I mean, how <laughs> could I object? I mean, at least he, you know, he's like, look, it's it's going to put me back some years, but I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe get people who aren't so corrupt next time. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, one thing that I kind of noticed, and Strongheart is really hard to read, like... But, but one thing that I noticed is that when we first talked to him some time ago, actually, no, I shouldn't talk about this yet. I'll talk about this uh, further down. We do ask him about um, Kazuma. Um, mm-hmm. And he says that she just appeared um, in, in the United Kingdom one day. Um, and <laughs> immigration got him, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and brought it to him, and he decided to take this young Japanese guy, put him in a mask, and give him to Van Zix as an apprentice. Yeah, yeah. Naruhodo immediately pokes holes in it. Like, he's, he's like, yeah, really? the mask wouldn't throw people off, too? What? Yeah, he, he says, like, you know, it's like, well, Von Zix is so racist, I didn't want to just give him a Japanese apprentice and then, you know, have to explain. Yeah, he was so racist that there would be a ton of questions about getting a Japanese, you know, um... Mm-hmm. What is it? What's the word? Uh, apprentice? Apprentice, I but, think they but use. But the mask, he wouldn't mind. Like, he wouldn't even question Fairly the mask. Evil. I mean, given how, like, sort of theatrical he acts sometimes, maybe this is actually a good read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. It looked it looked cool in the court. Yeah, it did work. And wait, wasn't there something ridiculous, though, too, where, like, when he gets caught by integration, he's brought to Scotland Yard, and Maelstrom happened to be there and noticed he was, like, he just knew a bunch about the law? And was like, you could make a good process. Isn't that the story he goes with? Yeah, I, I mean, this one is is pretty obvious. He is definitely lying about this. Oh yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's a, it's it's wild because he's just like this kid's just sitting on like a chair at Scotland Yard. It's like I don't think you have jurisprudence there, and it's like just backseating all the cops. <laughs> and Maelstrom's like, wait a minute, you've got potential, my boy. You know, <laughs> maybe that's why all those. Twitch chat streamers or uh, stream chat people are hoping for. It's like, hey. <laughs> oh, yeah, they hope that, like, somebody's watching is like, wait a minute, this kid's got talent. You do know your Dark Souls. Get on up here. You know, like, <laughs> wait a minute. finally, somebody that knows how to play Tetris. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And, and so basically, like, after, after we talk about the two, like, the, oh, oh, well, we screwed up your forensic stuff. And after, you know, he gives us the lies about Kazuma, um, the one other big reveal is that he's talking about Kazuma's father. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he's the one who, who was the professor and who, you know, killed those people. He mentions that he has supporters to his cause because he was, he was killing, I guess, you know, elites who were just, you know, you know, uh, parasites on society, you know? Yeah, it seems to be kind of a bourgeois thing. 
Yeah, and not just so much that, like, you know, sort of, like, capitalism bad kind of thing, but, like, in a way that, like, these people were, like, there was something else wrong with them. Like, you know, they were were leeching off society probably in a more specific move than just being, you know, um, beneficial. So, like, Saw... Yeah, like there's like that. The, the, it, it sort of is implied that there were more crimes than than just you know extracting you know labor from the masses. Yeah, and I, they even point out that that's similar to what the Reaper is doing, except the Reaper is doing it with actual criminals uh, who yeah get into court, and the professor seemed to have been doing it to people who were even more untouchable than that. But then he killed Van Zick's brother, which everyone says was a pretty good man. So. Who knows? Yep. And then uh, I think that's all we get from him, right? And then we can move on from there. And I think the next thing, I mean, I went to Sholmes' suite, right? Because uh, Yeah, I think that's the, the, the only other place we can go to right now. Yeah. 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 Um, so the first thing we see or we encounter when we get there is another person crying in umlauts. Yeah, screaming, apparently. Yeah. And we see two redheaded guys, one short, one tall. One is is speaking with like a French accent, and the other one is speaking in some nondescript uh, accent. I think it's supposed to be Italian. <sighs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, maybe so. Like he's, he keeps saying, I don't like it, I don't like it. And they're, they're talking to Gina, who wants to take them down to the police station. Yeah, Gina is apparently just arresting them right now in Shoba's living room. <laughs> Which is kind of great. Yeah. And so the, uh, uh, there's a newspaper on the couch, uh, which is like, like, Sholmes also appears here. Um, and Sholmes appears. <laughs> yeah. In his house. This is awesome. Right, right here. It's, it's great. Yeah. I think it looks great. I, I think it's, it's a good look for him. It is. I mean, this is anime Sherlock Holmes. It's, you know, Sholmes here is, you know, looks good with red hair. He's going to look even better with other kind of hair soon. But, like, the, you know, it fits because, you know, if you're going to do steampunk anime Holmes, you know, why not have different color hair? <laughs> but why does he have red hair, you might ask? I didn't. Well, that is that is answered by the newspaper that we can look at with a uh, particular uh, advertisement circled, which is, I think it was, what was it the Red Hair League? Yeah, the Red Headed League. The Red Headed League. Yeah, and, and that's directly from a short, from a from a home story, which we've referenced several times, including, I believe, I believe the advert, the advertisement is also exactly the same as what appeared in the home story. It is right, but what is the Red Headed League? It's just this organization that you can join and get a salary for doing nothing, and all the all you have to do is have red hair. Mm-hmm. So does anyone want to to remind what the actual home story is about and how it ends? I'm I'm pretty sure that the the actual home story is uh in, is sort of entwined with the pawnbroker case from earlier, like the the Sherlock Holmes version of that case. Yeah, well, didn't you say that it was like they were, yeah, like they put out an advertisement where you didn't have to do anything, but it was just you know you explained you had, this. You had to copy the dictionary, I believe. That was that what they told, told them to do. The Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. They literally just had to copy the encyclopedia. And it turns out the only reason for all this incredible, like, you know, kind of, the, the, you know, the subterfuge is that they just needed the pawnbroker to get out of his shop for the afternoon because he was next to the bank. So they tunneled underneath. <laughs> right. Which which was uh, Sherlock Holmes's deduction the first time in in the pawnbroker, and then we uh, we we, right. we d- 
you know, weaved him back to the case that we were actually doing, but he was just, he was just one step ahead. Right. Oh, Holmes. Yeah. So the reason that Sholmes has red hair here is because he changed it with science to, to where every hair on his body is red now. He had a, po- he made a potion like he drank. It wasn't yeah. even like a dye. Yeah. He didn't die. It was a, a magic. Well, not a magic, a science potion, which for the record, I have wanted for like decades. Just drink it. Hair comes out a, the right color. A science potion that can come out, yeah. Yeah. A chemical. But, uh, did anyone else read, like, the other stories in the paper? I did not. No. So, they were, I thought they were pretty interesting. I really liked the one that was talking about, like, the smallpox vaccine and how they were they were eliminating smallpox. Because uh, this is before germ theory. Like, we, we don't know what germs are. But we do know that you can inject parts of a thing to make people immune to the disease. And I think that's fascinating. <laughs> if only we could rewarn that nowadays here in 2021. Anyway. What? Yeah. To, to be back in that time period where you didn't know what a germ was, but if somebody told you, just put this stuff in you and you'll be okay. And that, that sounded like a normal good thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> did work. I mean, it, it worked. Did. Can't fault him. Well, the reason... Sholmes wanted to go to the red-headed league wasn't because he suspected anything wrong was going on, but because he wanted the job so he could get money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, the biggest <laughs> plague, that the, the biggest problem that plagues mankind if he's paying which rent. Is paying yes. rent. <laughs> right. I love that so much. <laughs> but of course, his plan failed because, you know, of course it did. Uh, he waits in line, gets over to, I guess they have these panelists that inspect you to see if you actually have red hair. We waited like I was mm-hmm. in line. Yeah. yeah. And um, they say, hey, aren't you? Aren't you, Herlock Sholmes? You must be undercover. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're, you're certainly not here to join the league because you don't have red hair. So that must be the case. And he says, yep, that's the case. I don't think, I think too, like, it's not even right that like, um, it's not necessarily just you get red hair and you're in, right? Like, you have to, like, they have, like, an interview process, right? Um, I'm not sure if they have the interview process, but the the one stipulation is that there are a limited amount of members that can be in the That's league. Right. Like, the whole thing reeks of some sort of social experiment. Or a scam. Oh, um, yeah. Or a scam, right. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the interviewing process is from the original story, because there's, you know... It's posted in the paper. It's, you know, a lot of guys show up. Only the guy who they needed out of his pawn shop is the one who was chosen. Um, let's see here. So basically, uh, you know, it's you have this little funny moment about with this all going on. But when we decide to ask him the deadly serious question of like, so, uh, hey, Kazuma aboard the SS Buria, you said he was dead and he wasn't. What the hell gives, you know? So I think he says something funny like great detectives tend to lie. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. what he said last time. And oh, last time, sorry. Now okay. we're now we're taking him to task and being like, okay, you need to give us something here. Yeah. So what's the truth? But but he he did say that he had been unconscious, and he wanted. Oh, sorry, I don't have very good notes for this he, part. He didn't know he would end up in Hong Kong or anything like that. Like, that part of it, he was just like, you know, yeah, I didn't know. Or that he just that he would disappear. I mean, he he talks mm-hmm. about, like, he had, to, he had to bribe the whole crew into sort of going along with it. Yeah, didn't he say that, like, he wanted his body to just be dropped at Hong Kong as a murder corpse? <laughs> like, I, 
I just wanted to traumatize a barrel ballerina. It's just a weird thing of mine. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I just wanted to let somebody think that they accidentally murdered or killed a person. Mm. <laughs> it just it was on my life's bucket list. I just for laughs because I wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> that and be a redhead, you know, yeah. all over with chemicals. Okay. But he didn't foresee that 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 Kazuma would disappear from Hong Kong and appear in London. Yeah, you didn't expect him to disappear. I don't know what he was expecting because he won't tell us. It almost sounds like he had a reason that he didn't want Kazuma to end up in London. So he, when when he got the opportunity to get him out of the boat, get him off the boat, he took it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we go into a little bit about like how he did it by like bribing the crew and sneaking him out. But when we ask him why, he just says, you know, I, I can't tell you right now, but later. Right, it's like the, the, the just the, the big like they everybody friggin says in this game, you know, and I guess in a lot of like like anime kind of media, you know, like that, like, hey, time's not right, but someday maybe I will, you know, which is like, I mean, to be fair, they do want us to keep playing. I mean, I guess, but there's a point where I don't know if this was a free to play game. That's where we'd put a microtransaction in. Oh, yeah. Pay pay 50 crowns to uh to unlock the answer to this question. Yeah. It's a shame they can't have microtransactions without some sort of weird, like, federated blockchain thing. Oh, well, maybe someday. Uh, so, well, after all that, I think. But, like, after that, then we get a new person in the in the lounge, right? Not the quite new. new. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, good point. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Well, she's new to the lounge. Yeah. Yeah. And we do just learn her name. We get a juror. Forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, she was just a number before. Now she has a name. Yeah, name is Mrs. Vigil. Evie Vigil. Yeah, I think she was she was juror number either two or three. Two, I believe. Yeah, she was the one who liked who liked the like the the drama and the the romance of everything. The intrigue, yeah, yeah. And she's coming to Sherlock Holmes's office with a classic case: my husband's missing. My husband's gone missing. And it, it's funny because right before that, Sholmes is like, "Look, we're, we're we're really low on rent. We have to accept any case except like locating a runaway," and then. The woman comes in. She's like, "My husband is, has run away," and he's like, "Dang it!" And I, <laughs> but like, I don't know why he calls that out as something he he wouldn't want. Is it something that he wouldn't want to take payment for? Or I, I have a feeling it's like it, this is so below me. He's just tired of missing people cases. He doesn't want to do them. But he he notices pretty quick that she's very well dressed and probably has a bunch of money. Yeah. He's like, "Okay, I got you." And she is coming at him with like this, oh, please, please find my husband. I'll pay any price. And he says, you know, your satisfaction is all I need. But I will remember that you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Sholmes will remember that. (laughs) Yeah. So her husband is um, (laughs) her husband is daily vigil, which I'm just going to admit I didn't get the pun until that then, you know, Um, daily D-A-L-Y. Uh, he is he was a he's a prison warder, which I, I guess is like a prison guard kind of person. And um, so the the Japanese band, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So the, she, she keeps calling her husband Avery, but his full name is is Eburi Day, which is every day. Uh, I see. Uh-huh. And then the the, the Mittelmons, uh, Eburi Day Mittelmon which in Japanese is Miterumon, so watching you every day, which is exactly like Daily Feature. So it's, it's good. I see. It's a good translation. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I gotcha. That's even better for a, for a prison warden. Yeah. So, 
Oh yeah, good point. I never. I, yeah, that part of the pun I actually still didn't get till right now. Anyway, so um, let's see. Uh, chief warder. Oh yeah. Um, he's the, actually a chief warder, and he carries out executions. Which yikes. Um, and then uh, he's he works at Barclay Prison, right next to Logate Cemetery. So a lot of these names are coming back. Mm-hmm. And he ma- he makes a lot of money doing this. Mm-hmm. But he's only been missing a day. Uh, but this is still as unusual because he's never like misses a day. You know, he's always home on time. She says that, that, that he often has to stay over at work um, during the night, but he always tells her before, and he always. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess he doesn't call her because they don't. Did they have telephones in homes at that point? They for rich do? people. Uh, um. I think we've telephoned like like the police or something. Like there are there are like. Police boxes, right? Because this is set in the early 1900s, so yeah, they would have existed. There are definitely telephones. It's it's it, yeah, it's late enough for telephones, but did they have them in in private homes? That's what I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, probably not. But they had they have police boxes in case three because that's what the um, the the body sends a, the his uh, wife, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. to go get. I have a feeling that if you're rich, you would have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the technology exists, so yeah, it's around the right time, so it's possible. Um, yeah. And it's also important to note that, that her description here is another Sherlock Holmes case, the man with the twisted lip. It's going to come up again uh, in a little bit, too. But it's very, it's like very much like this whole thing of like, oh, he's got this job and he earns a lot of money at it, even though other people don't make as much money. And he, you know, I don't see him sometimes, but he always gets in contact about where he's going to be. This is all the setup for the man with, with the twisted lip. Hmm. And the police won't take her case because it's only been missing for one day. That's not enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's sure something happened because that never in, in the ten years that she's been married to him that never happened, or more, more than ten years. But uh, let's see here. So, um, she, he takes the case. We get a photograph of Mister Vigil of Daily Vigil. The description says like, "This is the most generic man. Like he has no <laughs> distinguishing features." I I'm a big fan of how um, you know, like after he takes the case, Holmes is then like. Listen, uh, why don't you go do this case for me, actually? I think you're ready for it, which is pretty great. And the good thing is when, when Arhoda's like, uh, what? What do you mean? He's like, no, but my hair, I can't go out in public like this. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you were out in public for hours on that line. Yes, but this is different. Uh, another matter entirely, which I'm not going to explain. <laughs> this game owns. Um, so... <laughs> We have to, um, so from there we get, like, um, places to go, such as, uh, the prison governor's office. Yeah, that, that's where we, we, we have to go there first. Uh, we don't get right. much, though. And I love the shit out of this place and this guy. He's a really good racist. I gotta give it to him. Well, first of all, let's, let's go over his name, which his full name is Barra Caden. Which is appropriate because when you speak to him, he does refuse to talk to you because you are Japanese. But also, mm-hmm. he's um, he's his title is the governor of the prison, and he's also very muscular. He's got like the whole cleft chin thing, and that that matches with the bara portion of his name, which is like a subset of like Japanese kind of art. And barricading, mm-hmm. of course, is, you know, he's putting up walls against you, so barricading. His Japanese name is much more straightforward. It's Harry Barricade. <laughs> his name is Harry, <laughs> and his last name is Barricade. 
Because <laughs> he puts up hairy bear walls. It's really weird. But, but yeah, um, it's like in the game, we we frequently use the like the, the like that guy in black clothing to like kind of disguise what were more racially charged in, in the original, I believe. Yeah, every instance where someone talks about um, Narihoto's like black suit, there yeah. I think in the original they're talking about his yellow skin is is what they mentioned. Oof. What what do you mean in the original? That's that's at least what I read. Yeah, in the original, Just in the in the Japanese. Oh, they they talk about his black suit a lot in the. Oh, okay. They, they do not. I I I do know that for the. the for the, the these new versions of the game, this was originally a 3DS game. They did tone it a little down in the Japanese version, um, because there were several instances where people compared the Japanese people to monkeys in the original, and they took that out. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah. And this is this is all intentional and, and there for a purpose. So yeah, but yeah. that was apparently too much. Oh yeah, no, no yeah. Which would it's just you know appropriate racism for the time is a little off-putting in a DS game. Right. Yeah. Well. It also, I mean, it makes sense to have like sort of racism uh, in a in a piece of media like for that group, and it's like yes. okay, this is something that that it feels a little worse to just kind of consume it mindlessly, not being in that group. Just being like, oh, yeah, it's just some, let me just kind of have some nice Japanese racism in my entertainment. Uh, I, probably is a little more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, or more inappropriate, at least. Yeah, I don't mean it so much to, to say it's inappropriate, but it just seems totally inconsistent with a game that's pretty lighthearted to get all that serious. Um, yeah. And, and probably given more perspective in time, they're like, yeah, you know what? We mm, don't want to make this more too much of a joke. It's a whole thing, too, for like an international audience, because some people don't have like the background and stuff that, you know what I mean? Like Westerners would in this. So it's just it's 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 tricky. You know, yeah. it's a tough 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 sea to navigate as it were i think the big difference here is just like we've had kind of i don't want to say lighthearted, but it's been generally light smatterings of just like a racist overtone but then you go from that to like an out and out slur is just a little bit too much i think my main problem with the game is not that there's racism in it because it's trying to say something but it's that at least for the um main characters the racism ends up being like because they were wronged by a Japanese in the past, and that's why they hate all Japanese. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's okay racism for them. Uh, that's 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 both Van Zick and this person over here, and barricading. Um, mm-hmm. Who is also he refused to talk to us because because of the professor, because there was a professor incident ten years ago, and that's why he doesn't trust Japanese people. And, and then we find out that he's, he's, he's actually a very good friend with a Japanese person, another one. Um, and apparently that doesn't cancel out. Well, I, yeah. Well, I think for him especially, and we get kind of overtones of this, is that he was involved intimately in the whole professor deal with him being in his prison and being executed. And when we ask about um, daily vigil... He, well, he, he, he refuses to talk to us um, right now, so we have to... Well, he refuses to talk to us at first. He won't even let us examine the room, which is uh, terrible because there is an amazing grandfather clock in the background. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm asking about the... Is this physically possible? So let me describe this. You know how most grandfather clocks, they have a pendulum, it goes back and forth. This one has a guillotine and it goes up and down. So I don't know if that's physically possible. But it's cool as hell. 
I'm sure with the right combination of gears. He said that he uses it to, like, catch vegetables. Um, so it's a working guillotine. It looks sharp. Yeah, it's even got the little hole at the bottom. He's also, um, he's Scottish, which I don't know if that's present in the original one, but, like, there's a lot of, like, different, like, he uses Ken for no, a few other things, um, which is pretty clearly Scottish. It isn't. I think they just wanted the name Caden. They wanted the name Caden, so they had to make gotcha. it Scottish. I think that's. I the was wondering. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it felt like that was some kind of translation thing. The, the accent was very difficult for me to parse here. I just knew it was some sort of something. So I imagined him as Scrooge McDuck, as I do with all Scottish people whose voices I can't hear. Listen See, also pipes. the detective in Dolores Claiborne, but um, who's also inexplicably Scottish, but whatever. Not because of fun. That's just because Stephen King was being weird. Anyway, so... Um, so we remember that um, Susado's dad mentioned him when we talked to them in the beginning of the chapter. So we go to him, and yeah, he's, he's friends with the guy, so he gives a letter of recommendation, of introduction. Yeah. Which, which is written on the back of their boat ticket, I think? Right, yes, and, yeah. and if you look at it, then it changes the description, so it's going to come up at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're like, oh, what? Like, it's so weird that he just hand this to us. Like, I kept mine as a, as a souvenir, as a memento. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how that could come up, but clearly it will. So we bring the letter of introduction back to Harry Barricade, which I, I kind of like that name better. Um, you know, it's funny, though, because he's not a very good racist, because it's like, I don't like Japanese people, but oh, wait, OK, this is an important Japanese. Guy. All right. So now I trust you, which yeah. is like, all right. And to be fair, like also at one point, he's very nice to Suzato, you know, like after this. So he's like, yeah, oh, because he's friends with her dad. So, yeah, you, you're the daughter yeah. of the, the guy I like. I mean, the reason, the specific reason that he says he doesn't want to talk to them, and this is a reason that other people have brought up, is because, not just because they were Japanese, but they were involved with some other, like, terrible traumatic Japanese case, in his case being the whole professor thing. And the idea is that while they're both Japanese, they might be, you know, you might be trying to do something. Still kind of racist. I'm putting it out there. Like, yeah, no, or it still is. Yeah. It's not like, ah, you know. No, I just, I just can't get over the fact that like, like Von Zeeks has been very explicitly racist, but is still like working with us. And this guy is just like, nope, if you're Japanese, I do not want to talk to you. It just hard stonewalls us, which is just a little, uh. Almost like a barricade. Like a racist barricade. (laughs) But once we bring back the letter of introduction, uh, he's like, oh, you're, uh, you're, you know, Eugen's uh, friends. That's that's totally fine. He's great. We're great. You're his kid. That's wonderful. I'll answer any questions you have. Everything's fine now. Racism solved. Like he doesn't say yeah, he doesn't say one of the good ones, but you kind of, it's kind of implied. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No. So what do we learn about Daily Vigil? Uh, we ask him about, you know, do you have any missing persons? Granted, he was only missing a day, but uh, do you have any? And he says, well, no, there's no missing persons. And we ask specifically about Daily Vigil, who was uh, one of the guards there. I I mean, I don't know where he is, but maybe missing is not quite, you know, uh, I fired him like 10 years ago. He hasn't worked here in a decade, which is like, oh, and you get into that, in that, that whole, like, Oh, he got fired and he was too embarrassed to tell his wife that he got fired kind of thing. You know, but like the money is still coming from somewhere. The money is coming in and he's staying um, 
away nights away from home fairly frequently. So he's doing something. Yes. No, can you imagine, like, I'm too embarrassed that I lost my job executing criminals for a lot of money. Like, you know, I'm not saying it's, like, I, like a moral, just, like, it's weird. Just, like, yeah, you know, I, I can't tell my wife that I lost my job killing people for the state. I don't know. Well, you bring up a good point. It's like, how do you fuck that up? Because apparently this is something that doesn't happen very often. And he did something that was bad. Paul, let me, Paul, let me tell you about a little movie called The Green Mile. And um, the the ways you can fuck up being an ex... No, I'm joking. But um, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no. It's... Um, so he's... Uh, yeah, he's he's apparently been fired, and the guy even gives us his like dismissal notice. You know, a harshly worded reprimand. And it says that it was it was the professor's execution that he botched, so that yeah. that is why he was fired. So it's all very explicitly intertwined. We do know that the professor wasn't actually executed. So was pretty botched. Have to admit that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I haven't gotten to the end of this, obviously, but I'm just thinking. You know that rumor that goes around where it's like, you know, if they execute you and they botch it, then you have to go free. Like, I wonder if that is what happened. Like, they botched his execution and it's like some rule where it was like he was going to have to go free. Mm -hmm. Just for the record for folks at home, that's totally like a myth. I mean, it is a myth, but, you know, it'd make for great reading. That's I think it was it was the plot of a horror movie, I think, called like Shocker. Where the, yeah. the tagline was no more Mr. Nice Guy and he gets like the electric chair twice and I think he lives, but then you know he lives on through electricity. Hold on, let me I have to look this up now. Not that part, the part about on a second. If you survive I thought you were gonna say where it's like they had to let him go, but you're kind of leaning towards he becomes an electricity ghost monster. Right. Let's see. Yeah, it's uh it's totally wrong. Yeah. You, you you don't you don't get to you, they don't they don't give you. A, there's no double jeopardy for death. Yeah, no. Yeah, there's no hall. There's no there's no mulligan on that <laughs> one. You know. You call it. Yeah, but so but anyway, the so uh, they spell out exactly why he got fired and that he doesn't have this job. Like I referenced before, it's it's the same plot from the home story, the man with the twisted lip. Again, it's a guy who get fired and is somehow still earning a bunch of money, which we don't. Uh, know how but once we sort of get that dismissal notice into our court record which is you know probably going to come up later um we can go back to holmes's suite where we find that holmes has been solving his he has solved his red hair um by dying it blue or not even dying it by taking another thing that caused himself so by to taking go. another science potion yeah another a hair restoration tonic and it's a it's a lovely sky blue i think it also looks very good yeah, and, and so Holmes is is uh, is is looking purely anime uh, Sholmes now, and uh, and Gina shows up, um, who is still just you know absolutely heartbroken um, because of Gregson. Well, I so yeah, she says it's because of Gregson, and so I'm like, oh man, he he finally told her that he's moving to to Paris, and she you know she doesn't want to leave. Mm. Uh, it turns out that is not why she's upset. Uh, it turns out that Gregson. Uh, has been murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was not seeing that one coming. Um, yeah. I think it's worth mentioning. And that it's was... too late in the game for him to be, you know, dumped off in Hong Kong and come back later. He's fucking dead. Yeah. Yeah. All through this, like, whole, like, episode, I was, like, kind of waiting for, like, a shoe to drop or something to be like, you know, no, 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 he's not. 
dead, you know, but... I, I actually like, like, the, the emotional dissonance in this scene, which begins with the blue-haired charms and, like, very high comedy, yeah. and then immediately goes into crying Gina and, and being very serious. Yeah, when she came in and started crying, like, I thought from, like, the overall tone of the thing, I thought she was going to say something like, well, Toby ran away. And it's like, oh, we got to go find Toby. No, Gregson's dead. Just fucking dead. And we got to go find Toby. And we got to go find Toby. I think they very purposefully, like, don't really show Sholmes for a little bit of the rest of the scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I think because of the, the tone, they don't want to, now that they've punched us in the face, they don't really want to make more jokes, at least for, for a little bit. It also like when when the scene does end, um, Sholmes just goes to the crime scene to investigate immediately. So I think yeah. that, that was to show that uh, before he didn't even want to go out with the red hair because it was some investigation he didn't care about. But now that's the last thing he could care about, just want to investigate. Um, mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Some, someone close to him. And the big thing that, that Gina tells us is not only that Gregson was dead, that he was shot in in this like empty room. But the person who was arrested was Von Zeeks. Uh, he was the only other yep. person there. That, that apparently there were multiple witnesses who heard the gunshot. Um, they head straight to the room. The the cops show up. Everyone finds the only person there is Von Zeeks and and Gregson dead. Yeah, they're really recreating Ace Attorney one. <laughs> this game. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been jokingly referring to the uh, the Professor case as DL six the entire time because it's just the <laughs> you know the, it's the the case everyone calls calls back to. It's always a mystery, and uh, so here we are, just casually r- repeating Ace Attorney four, Ace Attorney one, case four. Mm-hmm. We do go to the prison after that, right? Yeah, we can either go to prison or the crime scene. I went to the prison. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, I think, I guess it is worth mentioning too, like multiple people heard the gunshot also. Yeah. I mean, what lends credence to the whole thing? We, Cause we do go through that whole, well, are you sure Gina? That's Von Zeke's. I don't think he'd do that. And she's like, no, there were multiple witnesses to it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we go there and, uh, Von Zeke's like, I, I don't want to talk to you. You know, this is like the, you're the last person I want to talk to, you know? Um, and he kind of anticipates what's going to happen because he's like, you know, he basically is like, I, I don't, I, I'll, t- I'll talk to you, I'll tell you what happened, but um, I can kind of see your angle into being my defensive attorney here, and that's not going to happen. Yep. Yeah, we're like, who, who do you want to be your, your defense attorney? And he's like, anyone but you. Right. <laughs> he's like, I already know that most of the attorneys in this town will not take me as a client. I definitely don't want you though. <laughs> Which, like, you know, to be fair, we have a pretty goddamn good track record, so, <laughs> yeah. I, you know. <laughs> no, I think we haven't lost a case, technically. We're Perry Mason. Except everyone hates us because we're Japanese. But anyway. He's reading a letter when we walk in, um, and he at least he tells us, like, oh, it's it's from Hairbrain. Uh, mm. You know, he says that he got here safe. Here he got to he got back to Germany safe and everything's fine. So we've got that much good news, at least. And he's like, how are you? And I didn't tell him yet. So, you know, um, <laughs> he doesn't tell us much. He, he he doesn't really know what happened. Yeah. He's just emphatic about the fact that, like, listen, I don't, I, I didn't know what happened. And uh, you're not going to be my attorney. So could we just end this now? Yeah. I, I heard the gunshot, I think, but I didn't shoot anybody. That kind of thing. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. So then we can continue investigating his case. So we go to the room. And the room is, in fact, an empty room. There's 
a notice board, like a like a like a like a bulletin board, like a rolling bulletin board kind of thing with just tons of newspaper articles on it. Um, there is, of course, on the uh, like a little fireplace kind of thing uh, and a little what um, you know table with a picture on it. And on the other side, of course, it's Gregson's body curled up in like the fetal position. Well, there, there's no body, but there's the there's a, the a chalk rope. outline. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. A rope yeah, outline. The you're rope right. outline. And it and it's in it's in that like curled up position. You're right. Which is almost more effective because it made me because there's a there's a rope outline with a blood stain and. As soon as I saw it, it was like, oh, he crumpled up because he got shot like right in like point blank range. And it made it feel like, oh, they didn't fake this. This is just this is where yeah. they, that guy died. And this mm-hmm. is where he died because like they made it very stark in sort of the way they're depicting it. You mentioned the table with a photo on it. The photo is of um, Miss Vigil, Mrs. Vigil. Yeah, it's like it's like a younger photo of her. Mm hmm. Um, there is a gun on the floor. Uh, there is a red wig near the rope. The gun, um, is a revolver. And I think they mentioned it's like a stand. It's like, and they kind of make it like broad. Like it's given to like, not just police, but, um, I forget how they phrase it. Members of the judiciary. Strongheart talks about it when, when we ask. Yeah. Strongheart talks about it when we ask him later. Yeah. It's like the standard gun they give everyone. So they don't know that it's actually even Zix, but it, it, he has a gun like that, which is missing. Right. And when pressed about, yeah, where it, where is the gun? Well, Vanzi says he lost it. Which is like, what a jerk. Okay. Um, I had a gun, but I, I, I lost it. <laughs> I'd lose my head if it weren't attached, right, everybody? It's like, I need a fucking gun, but yeah, right. Well, t- when we ask him about it, and I guess we, we ask him about it a little bit later, but like he says he he says he lost it like 10 years ago, like as soon as they gave it to him. It's like, well, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I was immediately like, they stole it, you know what I mean, to like frame him for this. And then it's like, nah, I lost it like 10 years ago. It's like, oh, all right, then. Well, no, every case in this game, everyone sits on it for 10 years. It's like a fine wine. You know, mm-hmm. there's also um, a, a little toy policeman on the floor. Oh yeah, that thing. Right. Sada really likes for some reason. Like she keeps mentioning, like, "Oh, it's so cute! Look at this little toy that we found here. Isn't that cute?" I'm like, yes, this is an awfully, cu- awfully cute toy. It's not the time, Sado. The fact that they go out of their way to to point out how cute and adorable the toy is just makes me think it's the murder weapon. Well, if we <laughs> wow. examine it and twist its head, we find out that it's a key. Do something. Right. And there's a candle holder on the wall uh, with two candles like burned, uh, completely burned off and one that's not. Right. Yeah, one that looks like a little bit blown up. Like there's even like there's some there's some like black residue around it. Right. And it's it's tall. So it, it didn't uh, didn't take long or didn't didn't get to burn for very long. So, um, we, Jean is also here. We can talk to her, right? And she says, she tells us a bit about, um... She, like, takes, takes, takes command of the situation. She, like, screaming at yeah. the other officers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's telling him that they're not investigating properly because, as a diver, she, like, knows where to look for money. So she's telling him to look everywhere. Yeah, it's like check check inside the the fireplace uh, on the on the like the underside of any like cabinets or dressers. Uh, yeah, she she really knows how to case a joint, and oh, apparently sure. these police officers don't. Ugh. Yep. Yeah. So, and the really solid information she gives us. Well, first off, is the fact that like Gregson is very well respected in Scotland Yard; that he's a legend. 
for a case he solved 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of super implied that, that actually they might, they, I think they could say it at one point eventually that, that this is, he found the evidence for the professor being convicted. Um, um, and that she mentions that he also, you know, he respected the Reaper because she brings up the, you know, like that, I guess they, that he would be, he would talk about, um, the Reaper very respectful tone. So like, it's odd that this would have been his killer. Um, and she brings up the fact that it's rent that the, the room they're in, it was rented by a person named Hugh Boone, which I think like Sosato immediately points out, like that sounds like a fake name. Um, and cause they can't find out who this person is. Uh, no one else, none of the other rooms there are rented by anyone cause they're very expensive. Isn't Hugh Boone also from the show of the Holm story? Yeah. Um, from the same one This is all, yeah, it's, this is all from the man with the twisted lip. Um, which I, there's like constant references to all these. Uh, and um, yeah. And so the, uh, after that, like she tells us uh, that the, the people who, the witnesses that she had referenced earlier were street sellers who were just out, right outside the door, uh, right outside the window. Uh, there's a boarded up window that you see in the, in the room and uh, right outside, they're all right there. So that these are the people who, who sort of, uh, rushed over and these were the witnesses to the crime uh, you can't speak to him yet she's like uh, they're all down at Scotland Yard and uh, no this is like they're gonna let you look at this scene because I'm here but they're not gonna let you go interrogate witnesses at the yard so uh, that's kind of all you can do in the scene the the other thing is the um like the cork board that has all the like case notes on it they specifically note that uh, it's it looks like it's mostly documents that only a detective could have uh, could have g- gathered and it's mostly about like, uh, like the Reaper. It's mostly about people that 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 uh, the Reaper has killed. But there's also that same cutout for the Redheaded League. So there's the the implication that somehow those two things are connected, which is uh, very confusing. But I mean, if he's such a great detective, he can't just be completely misled. But uh, I think they, I think this is also where we talk about how, like Gregson was such a well-respected detective that he would just uh just kind of go off and disappear for maybe like a couple days and, <laughs> and investigate things and so it's sort of assumed that he did this here for some reason this is just his his investigation nook. I, think that, I think they say that like he had yeah he, he never worked with anybody he always worked alone and uh told no one exactly what he was investigating but he'd come back and solve major cases, so they let him do it. <laughs> they let him do it. It's, it's a little weird, but you know, it, it could work. Um, let's see here. I think that's what we get from the crime scene. So next we go to Strongheart's office again. Yeah, we need we need to find someone who knows about guns. So we immediately go to Strongheart. Right. And uh, and who's he talking to? It's Kazuma. It's Kazuma's. So it's Kazuma, you know? And, um, guess what? <laughs> uh, Kazuma is apparently going to be prosecuting Van Zeeks. I win. One point for Rosella. <laughs> so I kind of had this spoiled for me because in the trailer for this on Twitter, they show like Van Zeeks and they show like it's quick, but they show somebody in the prosecutor side of the court with a clearly with a sword, you know? 
So I was like, you know, I'm like, who the hell could that possibly be? But as like we were doing this, I'm like, it could only be Cosmo somehow. You know what I mean? Or someone else. But then when he was like the assistant and all that, it's like, all right, we're going to he's going to be the prosecutor at some point. You know, this is why I never watch trailers for games. I already know I want to play. There you, well, that was very wise of you. But that's a lesson I unfortunately had to relearn the hard way. But anywho, they do try to justify it because they say that. If they're going to get someone from the prosecutor's office to prosecute one of the main prosecutors, it's going to look like um, there's something unjust going on. So they have to get an outsider. Right. So why not give the guy who hasn't had a day in court? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not sure how, how you get like a foreign person. Well, I, yeah. Who is actually a student. <laughs> Yeah, and just recovered from amnesia, and you know, like also too trained as a defense attorney. Like we bring yeah. up, it's like, but he he isn't even a prosecutor. It's like, well, when you're when you're young and in this business and still trying to establish yourself, you can't pick and choose what cases you're on. It's like <laughs> be, you generally do get to pick what job you do. Yeah, right. this is a, an important one, also. You know what I mean? Like your big prosecutor, who, by the way, everyone in London thinks is actually a murderer, kind of. You know? Yeah. And also, if you really wanted to find someone who isn't, you know, sort of enmeshed in the British judicial judiciary, um, every single imper- important person from around the area is here at this exact same <laughs> moment. Like, you could literally just go down to the symposium and get, like, any, you know, like, attorney or, you know, prosecutor from abroad who is here for these big things. Like, there are a whole bunch of other people who could do this job. (laughs) Don't they also kind of imply that this is, uh, like, sort of going to be, like, he's, like, he's on trial sort of for, for this murder, but also sort of for being the Reaper? Yeah. Which, like, last case, you explicitly and suspiciously suspect suspiciously specifically said i know for a fact that he is not the one committing all these murders but now it's like well he's on trial for committing all these murders you know at the start of the game or maelstrom is like well i know personally he couldn't do it but now he's acting like well we're gonna put him on trial because maybe he did i don't know (laughs) yeah but anyway, I mean, we have to move this game along somehow, and this so this is this is these are going to be the, uh, the the circumstances here. Yeah, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Look at the first witness, Ludo narrative. So weird. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. Uh, so um, that's right. We can also we can also talk to Cosimo while we're here, and uh, he explains how he got from Hong Kong to London, mm-hmm. which was apparently just a voice in his head saying, "You you got to go to London, man." Yeah, seriously. Like that's that's where your your destiny is. You have to go to London, and that was, I mean, I guess if you have amnesia, that's as good an answer as any. If you woke up in a completely like foreign country, you know what I mean, with no memory how you got there, and it's like gotta hit up New Jersey. I mean, you know, <laughs> like what's your other choice there? You know, if you have no recollection. Uh, my my problem with Kazuma here is that, so like we gave him back his sword, right, the Karuma, mm-hmm. and that's that's reasonable. But he still kept his old sword. So now he's standing here with two swords and we have zero. I know, right? And I just... Give us a sword! Like, I thought we were friends, man. Yeah, save some swords for the rest of us. Well, you know what's frustrating, too, is that he's, like, also, like, um, he's gonna be, you know, dueling us, like, metaphorically in court. So it's appropriate. At least give us the Western sword. I can understand that's my family's sword you've been using. Like, I'll need to have it back. So, you know, have this one. Proper sword, but no, 
you know, I, I'm going to say that he doesn't do that because it'll be revealed at the end of the trial that the other sword is named Naruhodo and he refuses to let it leave his side. <laughs> hmm. Aww. That's, that would be weird to name a Western sword that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, it's named, of course, and it's like a weird little joke, but anyway. <laughs> he, he also, he gives us a photo of, um, of Von Zeke's uh, Gregson and what looks to be Von Zeke's brother all like, yeah. you know, palling around and laughing. And uh, yeah, this is our, our evidentiary support of the idea that uh, Gregson really liked Von Zeke's because he kept it. I think, isn't it too like, and uh, what's his, um, Cosmo's like, I want to fight you in court. So use this to emotionally like blackmail Von Zeke's into hiring you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Cause yeah, he, yep. he's like, he, he really wants both of them to do it. And uh, yeah, it's like, no, Gregson kept this in like a, a place of honor in his office. So just tell, tell Von Zeke's that. And uh, yep. then he'll have to hire you. Right. So then we go back to prison and it works. <laughs> like, yeah, all right. You know, although he was, uh, he definitely seems shook when we tell him that, that Kazuma Asogi is, is the, uh, is the, is going to be the prosecutor in this. And, um, right, it's the son of the man who killed his brother. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, but like, I mean, like they, they clearly like, he, he did not know who this person was that, that, um, Maelstrom was forcing him to, to, to use as his assistant. Um, and 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 yeah. After he's he's shook and he and he always explains all this stuff about like why he ever you know why he has this legitimate reason for racism that uh that you know that once he's once the picture is shown to him that he's like okay you know what I I've only seen two people with this um you know and then he also exposes the gun stuff too but he also, but the big the big key is that he's only seen two people in the courtroom with this sort of eye, this pursuit of the truth. Uh, one of them, of course, is Genshin and Asogi, who he was betrayed by, and the other is 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 um, uh, Rinosuke, who uh, you know, he has this natural inclination not to trust, but in this case, because we've shown him the photograph, will trust and wants to be the defense attorney. Is this where we also learned that um, Asogi was studying at the Scotland Yard and was actually helping Gregson with the investigation into the professor. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and yeah, and that's why they couldn't didn't catch him because he was actually on the investigation team. Yeah. Which at this point, I feel like we're really uh, dropping hints that uh, uh, Asogi did not was not actually the professor, and he didn't actually murder all those people because it it seems like everyone really really liked him. Uh, and also, I think it's kind of a bummer if our best friend. Has a dad who's a murderer. Everyone really liked him. Some people tried to not actually execute him. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. So, have we established at this point, like, also how the professor was killing people? We have, right? Yeah, with, with a dog. With a dog. Yeah. So, also, like, the whole story is like this guy emigrates to to you know London, gets a dog, trains it to be a killer, and it's like a serial kill. You know what I mean? Like. That's a tight time frame, even for a year, you know? Well, I think he had he had six years to do it all, right? It's six had, years, yeah. six years. Oh, yeah. six years. It happened six years after they came to London. All right, I guess. Also, the dog was super talented. <laughs> Where are you keeping your big dog? You know? I don't know. 
You know, whenever came to your to your flat late at night to study the case and noticed you had a gigantic dog with yeah, blood on exactly. his muzzle, like right, yeah. Also, who are the Baskervilles? Because the dog's collar had a large B and the Baskervilles name. Yeah, this definitely involves something of, of that sort. We only ever heard that name in that context. We don't know anything else about who they the are. Cow. Also, they they did say that um, that the. That case was kind of similar to the, to the first case in the first game, where it's like, yeah, it was a diplomatic incident. It was right when the like Japanese and English governments were kind of working out a, tr- a truce, so they didn't want to cause a scene, which is exactly why they tried to frame us in the first case of like, look, we just want to arrest someone because that will like, right, calm yeah. things over. So that the the parallels there kind of I just realized this. Sorry, the parallels there kind of imply that yeah, they did just need to arrest someone, and is maybe that is why they botched the uh the execution because that felt a little too mean it felt i mean it feels like the like in both cases like the 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 japanese side is getting like the shorter end of the stick like they kind of want to impress the british you know more than anything than like that's not strange i mean the british is an empire and japanese is a small island that just came out of hundreds of years of um being closed off to the rest of the world yeah it's a dominant economic power at the time worldwide right. that you're trying to, to to assuage in sort of these negotiations yeah well um let's see here so anyway um finally like von Zeeks allows us uh to defend him in court so then that begins trial part one uh let's see here so apparently um you know it starts out in the the, the antechamber outside and it's like this is going to be a closed trial you know so of course um there's no jury and then uh shomes and mikatoba show up and decide to give us some you know some friendly advice and starting and undo all this stuff uh let's see here shomes's hair is back to normal yeah he solved the problem that's true yeah which is a shame. Apparently he really screwed up his stomach though, giving himself constant potions to sort of you know, have the same effect in reverse. Um, it's fine. But he also like talks to Von Zeeks and he's just like, oh, you're going to be represented by a great attorney. A great attorney because he's backed up by me. Right over here, Mr. Sholmes. <laughs> That's right. Gina's here. She's, 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 she actually, I think, like, is like, well, surely uh, I think she, yeah, she's kind of like, I think, she thinks like maybe Van Zeke's killed him, right? Is that the, how that goes? Everyone's told her that and she feels a little betrayed, certainly, by like the fact that we're defending him. But when sort of, you know, Rinosuke sort of says, listen, you know, I, I don't believe it, he did it. I'm, I'm just going to get to the bottom of the truth. She's like, well, you better get to the, the, to the truth then because we need to know who killed Gregson, you know? And so she's not quite willing to let go of the fact that it's Von Zeke's because everyone seems to say it's so obvious. But she is also trusting that like, okay, you're going to, you're going to solve this because yeah, we need to. That's right. So, um, trial starts, you know, uh, and then, um, what is it? Let's see. So it's funny because like they, they say it's a closed trial and that, you know, we're not going to have a jury. We're not going to members of the public, but like, it's the same images. You still see the like shadows of like people in the gallery. I think there, there are people, right? Yeah, no. And then they, they, they bring it up. Like Ryanosuke asks like, okay, then, then who are like, all of these dozens of people here and it's like yeah it's it's members of the judiciary uh mm. so they're allowed to be here also it means we can keep the art assets the same right <laughs> i think also like to be totally fair right you don't want like closed clothes where it's just like the judge the two lawyers the only people who know what went on that kind of thing right so 
like some sort of semblance of justice. Um, even though whatever, it's not tr whatever. Anyway, so like, uh, let's see. So Kazuma starts off as his prosecutorial duties, and he presents the autopsy report, right? Which is that, um, let's see here, uh, the autopsy report. Yeah, it has it has a name on it once more. Mm -hmm. Um, what is it in English? It's like Maria Gori. Yeah, I think so. Maria Gori and um. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, Kazuma says that the that the the the, uh, the incident took place at five p.m. like on the dot. That we had a bunch of a uh, bunch of witnesses uh, that heard the gunshot and then like ran in and saw the people, which we kind of already knew. Um, he also says that uh, Gregson was shot at point blank range, which we know because there's a like gunpowder residue, and that only that only happens within like a couple inches. Uh, right of of when the gun goes off and he does give us the autopsy report which is conspicuously uh, in addition to conspicuously having a name on it it is also conspicuously missing information uh we we bring it up later but it's just yeah as soon as you re as soon as you look at it you you notice like it's very obvious so like oh what <laughs> um, and you just wait for them to reveal that later on in the in the trial. It just says "guy died." The end. That's it. It's weird. It's, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we get Van Van uh, Van Zeeks up to testify, and um, basically he's like, "Yeah, this is just basically him telling his version of the story." Right. He was investigating Gregson. He went to that address because that's where it led him. It was dark inside. He heard a gunshot spun around, saw the gun, makes the mistake we did as a young pre-lawyer and picks it up to look at it. And then the door flows open. He hears scream and then he notices, oh, shit, Gregson's body. This looks bad for me. Speaking of bookends. <laughs> Everyone at home, I beg of you, you know, don't pick up the fucking gun. Okay, we've they really want to hammer that home in, in Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. So if, if we press all of this, some other things we learn is that um, so yeah, he was investigating Gregson, but he didn't follow him into the building. He actually broke into the Scotland Yard and searched Gregson's desk and found out where he was, was going to be. Yeah, he had a he had a diary, I think. Yeah, that said where he was going. <laughs> Yeah, they point out that that's also a crime that you did. And he said, yeah, I, I was prepared to be caught for that one. But yeah, yeah and, and he still says that he, he never, he didn't see, actually see the body until the very end, until after he saw the gun. Right. And it's like, it was like only lit by, it was like, very, it was in a well-lit room. There was just like the one light, like an oil light, I think, right? He said. Yeah, he said it was very dark. There was only the, um, the light from the desk. So, so Kazuma then says, this is all bullshit. I have a theory. Um, you're an asshole. No, uh, that actually, <laughs> no, you. That this, 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 this was like, um, the, this was actually like the place, the Reapers' headquarters, more or less, and that's why. And basically, um, you know, all the documents that are on the notice board I mentioned, like, had to do with the Reaper case, and then we get the notice board in the court record, which, if you, you know, examine it first thing, everybody else know it, see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So. Kind of on the top, there's a handprint of blood, but it's pointing down, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Like the fingers are pointing down. Not pointing like fingers, but the fingers are facing down. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so obviously, a Spider-Man was bleeding onto it. 
Kazuma's theory is that the opposite happened, that this was Van Zick's little hideout uh, where he did his Reaper stuff from, and Gregson was investing in him and found it, and then walked on Van Zick's and Van Zick's killed him. Right. I just feel like this is a really thin, uh, like thin explanation because if it were the Reapers' hideout and that's why he had all the cases, I feel like they'd be like checked off, right? You know, it's like, oh, this this guy, this you know, got acquitted. Nope, took care of him. <laughs> Drowned in the Thames. Maybe he just keeps forgetting to do that, and then once or twice he has to go to kill a guy, and he's like, oh no, I got him. Right. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like memento, but serial killer. Yeah. 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 Or frankly, like me, I would forget that kind of shit. You know, like, I oh, I didn't mark him down. That was a long night, though, to be fair to me, you know. I don't know who I'm telling that to in this scenario, but still, you know. Yeah. Maybe all of you on the podcast. Anyway. But it's it's really funny because it feels like he's making an objection. Like, he, he points out a thing. It's like, I, I couldn't see the body. And it feels like he is presenting evidence saying, hey, the, the candelabra... Um, like one of them was blown off, but the other two burned down, which means that they were clearly lit uh, at the time. So if the candelabra was lit, the candelabra was right by the body. You had to have seen the body. And that's when he he does his whole thing. So it, it feels very much like something we would do. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's he's doing it to us, which is yes. rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think at this point, it's kind of like, that's all we're getting out of this guy. Let's go get. Let's go to the the witnesses, right? Yeah. And we get the witnesses: gossip, Venus, and Sandwich. Their names are. Mm-hmm. Um, Venus's pun is kind of fucked up, if you ask me. But we'll get to her in a sec. Because Sandwich is a guy with a sandwich board who is very, very, very clearly the the guy driving the Beppo. the carriage. Yeah, in, it's Beppo. It's Beppo. It's what's his name again? I forgot actually. Beppo. Beppo. Beppo, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beppo the clown. Beppo. And I think we like make a reference to it, but like no, no nobody explicitly says it, right? Oh, I, I love that it's Beppo. He still seems so cold. Yeah, poor Beppo. But Venus uh, is selling firecrackers, and there's gossip. You forgot to gossip. With well, I was getting to gossip, but I just wanted to get into see like Venus, like Venus de Milo, like she's gonna blow her fucking arms off one day yep. with her firecrackers. Yikes is my answer to that. Um, I did not make that connection. Yeah. I guess, but, um, and Gossip, who's uh, a guy with like kind of a squinty. He's got like a little, he's got like that um, Dick Van Dyke chimney sweep beret and he's squinty and he's got a giant fucking lip. He's a man with a twisted lip, isn't he? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know about this home story, so I was kind of like, or home story, so I was kind of like, that's that's weird, but you know, Ace Attorney, I guess. But yeah. So two, two things about these witnesses. Um, I, I have the art book for the game, and it has comments from the character designer. Uh huh. So the first thing is that sandwich being Beppo, um, it was supposed to be an original character, but they had budget issues, so he suggested that they reuse an existing character. And Shotokomi went with it. <laughs> and I think it's better for it. It's better than if it was yeah. a new character. <laughs> I mean, his boss was on the jury, so it makes sense that uh, his job didn't go super well <laughs> yeah. after that case. <laughs> it really does. The second is that Venus, um, he designed her to be the evil twin of the main female character from the um, Professor Layton Ace Attorney game. That was my first thought when I saw her, is it looks like... Uh, Espella? Yeah. Look, look look it up. Her name is Espella Cantabella. 
they look exactly the same, except she's like a little more evil in this game. Right. And she's she's also sexy, which is synonymous with evil. So. <laughs> because it's the same character designer, so he just, uh, he, he again, he reused the design. But yeah, g- gossip sells information. Right. That's a gem. And actually, what's kind of great here is when they're introducing that gossip shells information in Venus sells firecrackers is every time they're like, oh, you sell that? And gossip's like, I got a good one for you. And then they're like, and then Cosmo's like, you know, Ryan, why don't you pay for it? And the judge is like, yeah, please give him some money. And like, we're kind of ordered to give him money. And then there's like his gossip's information is like, I hear this couple like that you've never heard of is getting married. And it's like, and we're just kind of like, that was not helpful at all to us. And he's like, well, still. <laughs> and then later, and then we have to buy a firecracker from Venus. And we have, we, have, we have to buy the big one. We have to pay a lot of money for the big firecracker that she sells for 10 times more. Yep. And if you and this and when if you examine it, you set off just one. But if you you also know that if you were to set off all of them, it sounds exactly like a gunshot. Mm-hmm. How we still have this in our inventory afterwards, I don't know. But you get the idea. Sandwich isn't selling anything. No one knows exactly what he does, but he he likes philosophy. Yeah, yeah. He, he just kind of he just muses. That's what he does. <laughs> I assumed he was like a sandwich board kind of guy, right? Like there's this advertising stuff. Like yeah, he seems to be doing that, but. No one is actually sure that that's where he's getting your money. It's like the precursor to the sign spinner. It doesn't need to be like an actual ad. It just seems to be like random words on his side. <laughs> what, um, gosh, I forget. Well, he has something weird written on the back of his sign, doesn't he? That like we see later, but maybe I'll, we can get into that later, I guess. But, um, anyway, they saw, so they saw the whole thing, right? They heard the, the Reaper, they saw Van Deeks go inside, heard a big bang. They ran in. And they see the Reaper standing over the dead body. And then Venus ran to get a copper. Um, anyway. We also got a photo of the crime scene at this point. Um, and there, there is a photo, a photographic print of Gregson uh, lying there with the red hairpiece on. Right. Yeah. And so Gossip is basically saying he, he bigs himself up. He's like, you know, I, yeah, I was the first in the room. I kicked the door open to, to find out what happened. And, you know all this stuff like it was lit up by candles it wasn't dark the way like because found von Zeke's thing was that he couldn't see in the room and didn't see the body before it happened um and then sandwich is just like that's bullshit nah, none of that is true you went in you screamed like a woman and then you just you know you fell over immediately um mm-hmm. and gossip eventually is just like you weren't supposed to tell him that and just admits that yeah okay i fell into a pool of blood Please don't tell the newspaper I screamed, yeah. He says the floor was very, was very slippery. <laughs> yeah, the floor yeah. was slippery, yeah. Because of all the blood. Right, yeah. So then he amends that testimony. And basically, um, this, is, this explains the notice board, kind of. So we can kind of say, like, obviously what had to happen was he slipped in the blood and his bloody handprint hands on the back of the notice board. The only way that being... But the only way that can really work is that the board had to have been moved from its position in the room, like where it was standing. It must have been lying down, you know? Yeah. Also, it was it had to be blocking uh, like it had to be between the door and the body. So that that makes Von Zeke's story make more sense because he wouldn't have seen it because it would have both the body and the light from the candelabra would have been blocked by the notice board. But when they they ran in, they like flew fling flung the door open that so hard that they knocked it over. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, so like they have to explain how why did this notice board move or whatever. So gossip's like I don't know, and uh, everyone yeah everyone's just like I don't know about anything, and then uh, they're like. And then Sandwich is like, I don't see how this changes anything. The detective died when he heard the gunshot, you know? So, um, what do you call it? You know, this is one of those, you pursue Sandwich a lot for this bullshit stuff, you know? Um, and she was like, I hung out behind till I heard whatever. And then, um, he's like, no, no, no. She went with him, you know? And, uh, basically you can get Venus to admit that she moved the notice board and took something. His pocket watch that Gina is like really upset with. So we get the pocket watch, right? Venus is revealed like as a big liar here. That everything she says is a lie. Yeah. And what you have to do every time you have to ask her a question, she has to say a lie. Cosmo has to be like, just tell the truth. And then she's like, oh, well, yeah, maybe I, I did do this. And then you do it like four or five times in a row. Right. She also sells um, firecrackers to school children, telling him they can blow up the school with it. And then rats, rats, yeah, knocks, knocks to the teachers. Right. <laughs> and then they get their, their fireworks confiscated and they have to come to her to buy more fireworks. Right. So it's a perfect win, system. Win, win, win. It's like weapons dealers. If only they had some sort of distributed system by which we could tell who owns the fire anyway. So um, let's see here. Uh, whoops. Let's see. Um, so yeah, she took the pocket watch. And so you have to examine the pocket watch, and then it's the whole thing of like, oh, it's the old, must have died at 5 p.m. when the thing was shattered. It's my favorite thing, where the the watch is shattered, it stopped at 5 p.m., so that's that's how we know the time of death. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, the the, the moment that the pocket watch uh, comes out, Gina shows up on the stand um, to tell us that it's actually Gregson's pocket watch that he really loved because he got it from the Scotland Yard after he solved the big case 10 years ago. And always kept in him, and, and he wound it up every day, every single day, never missed it. Yeah. And so what we have to do is examine the pocket watch. Turns out there's a keyhole in the bottom. Where's the key? If you'd examine the police figure, remember that's actually, uh, that, that is a key. It pops out of the police figure's foot. And of course it fits. That's, that's the way to do it. And if you wind it, shows up, turns out that no, the watch didn't break at the time of death because the watch was just... It had not been wound in a while and had and, and it just, you know, as soon as you, you use the key to wind it up, it starts working again. It works perfectly fine. It's shattered, but the, the watch part works. If you, so the, the watch actually starts moving when you do it. Like the, there's an animation of the second um, hand start starting going around. Um, if you stay on the screen for 60 seconds, um, it stops. <laughs> so the clock isn't actually working. Oh, no. Well, I guess we just didn't wind it very much. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, what were you expecting? To sit there for, like, hours to make sure that it worked? Well, to, to be fair, this is, like, Ryan Niske's, like, first, like, time in the world, so he probably has no idea how a pocket watch works. He's just like, I just did a little. My point is that they didn't bother to code an entire walking clock animation in case someone yeah. stops on the screen. Cowards. <laughs> <laughs> this is where resources should be allocated. Exactly, they ran out of budget on this one. Yeah, pretty lazy Capcom. I guess they had to cut the budget for that. It does exactly one full circle around the clock and then stops. Yeah. I, I love this because I, I I think the the watch stopping when you die is, is like one of the most prolific and also bad tropes. I think it makes mm-hmm. no sense. So I'm thrilled that we're like, oh, obviously it's that. And then it's like, no, it's it just... It just ran out. Yeah. Like, that's a stupid thing. Why would that happen? Though I think we've still done that, like, within this game. Yeah. 
Although what it what it does do is it gives us more information that like, well, this is a guy who always wound his watch, but in this case, he let it wind down, meaning it had been longer, it had been enough time where like, you know, more than a day would have gone by for it to, to actually, you know, for him to, to, to uh, you know, not take care of his watch. Mm-hmm. Yep, which means that he was dead long before the, the assumed time of death. Um, we point out that they didn't put a time on death of death on the um, autopsy report. Yeah, it just says time of death, and then there's nothing printed there, and you just go to the next page, and it has a different header on the second page. And the, and then Ryan Renuskase goes, and you know why? Because he's still alive, ladies and gentlemen, Tobias Gregson, and he walks in, and everyone applauds, and that's the end of chapter four. Hooray, happy ending. Um, <laughs> all right, well, that doesn't happen, but you know, who would have been nice? This is also where you can... T- like you can show the, the the firecracker that you bought from Venus and be like, look, this thing. If you set it all off at once, it's it sounds like a um, a gunshot. You know, you mm-hmm. actually set it off in the you know if you sit like the, the part of the conversation is it, it sounds like this, and then you know like even though you did set it off, did examining it if, during the conversation, it, everyone in court realizes that oh yeah, this thing does sound like a a, a gunshot, and it's still in the court record. We also have to explain, um, the, the witnesses said that they saw both men going into the building first, um, Gregson and Zen Van Zix. Um, and turns out what they actually saw was someone with red hair, um, which we know was a wig, which anyone could have wore. So yeah, mm-hmm. we don't know that it was actually Gregson. Uh, and they also explained the entire trick about how, how they managed to get the fireworks going off um, at exactly that time, uh, which is by... Tying it to the candlestick. Narahoda's like, one of the most important things that I've learned since coming here about England, you know, since coming to England, is that you can blow up anything you want at any time. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, the important thing is at any time, meaning a time bomb. (laughs) It could have have been a delayed action on the the bomb. Yeah. But actually, the, the solution here is pretty clever. That whoever it was tied... About halfway through the candle, they tied the the um, the firecracker to it, and then lit all three candles. So when it, when the one burns down to about halfway, that's what the that's what the the, the gunshot is, and that's why it's got the scorch marks. Because if it was actually a bullet that had gone through Gregson into it, it wouldn't have left those scorch marks. This is, this has to be something exploding right next to it. So, isn't yeah. this how like alarm clocks used to work? Like you'd you'd have a, a candle, and then you'd like put a like a metal. A like some metal thing into into like the time that you want, and when it burned down there, the metal fell out and then made a clattering noise, and that was your alarm clock. Whoa, I had no idea about that. So I, I assume this is... I don't know exactly when that technology was in effect, but I mean, presumably before they had electricity, you gotta wake up at some point. Mm-hmm. I think I thought it was just roosters, <laughs> but yeah. Sometimes you live in a city, I guess. Well, I, mean, I guess if you're in a city where you don't have roosters... Oh, you get the bobbies to do it. Remember, that was like their job was to knock on all the windows. Well, yeah, but what? A, how do they know when to wake up, Slow Beef? They don't fucking sleep. It's bobbies all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> they tie firecrackers to candles. All right, that was all right. Anyway, no, no yeah, I, yeah. So I just I think this is technology that they would have been like, they would have been familiar with in that time period. Hmm. I think I'm not a historian. Yeah. I just know there is an ABC show called Covington Cross, which like took place in medieval times. It's like Game of Thrones without any of like the violence or hard, horrible stuff, you know, because on ABC. But uh, and that's how they told time was they had like big like candles with like the hour marks on them. 
This is a plug for Covington Cross, by the way. <laughs> so, you know. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, but anyway, so the, the the last thing that we sort of get to is that you know what was what was Gregson looking into, um, and you know because like because he's examining something here, and it it has to be you know the thing that ties all this together is someone walked in with the red hair. There's this red hair piece that he was wearing. Um, and so if you bring up either the Red Hair League um, article or the Red Hair piece, you will end up with, you know, there's proof that, that the people involved in this are somehow involved with the, with the, the case. And the judge orders them produced. Uh, so so now Cosima has to, or, or, you know, the judiciary has to bring these people who were just arrested uh, into the courtroom. And that's when we get our recess. And that's uh, the end of the reading, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, any predictions? Any, anybody knows what's going on here? So I have not read ahead, but these constant references to the man with the twisted lip makes me think that Hugh Boone um, is Gregson. I'm wondering if Gregson is actually also married to this woman. Yeah, like I compared, <laughs> I compared those two photos a bunch. And it's like, I don't know, like Gregson definitely has like a, a square jaw, but he's also got like facial hair and that can really like change the way you perceive someone's face. <laughs> No, but uh, we know that her husband was a real person who was an actual warden in the prison. And Gregson wasn't. Gregson was also active at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. So oh, well. how, how could they be the same person? No, but the husband worked late. Well, one of them is a waxwork. No, but, no, but you can't do both. Yeah, oh, well. But yeah, it's like, I mean, they, they, they do say, like, oh, they both, you know, they both sometimes had to take, like, overnight trips where no one knew where they were going. And he does have a photo of a younger version of her at his, like, secret hideout. So this is, like, there's got to be something going on there. But, like, because you, you get the photo of Gregson over the course of the case. So, like, you can you can directly compare those two. It's like, that's that's not the same person. Yeah. So, you know, um, my theory at the time is that Gregson is, like, doing a bunch of secret work to find the Reaper, has found the Reaper's office, is killed by the Reaper, and Von Zeeks is being framed for it, right? That was my kind of theory here. The only thing that I've got is I feel like the Red-Headed League is, like, a, uh, is, is a, is a, a red herring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no I was, was going to say. Because, like, the Red-Headed League has nothing to do with the Reaper, as far as we're aware. So I think... Right. They planted someone. Someone was like, "We need a way to tie this to something," and so if they have the wig, they can tie it to that. If they put the wig on Gregson, that ties into it, and then they uh, they they pin the redheaded league thing to the to the the notice board, which is all about the Reaper except for this one article. That that's my theory is that somehow like it's all it's all made up. This has nothing to do with the redheaded league. It's a red herring. They've done this before, like the the original thing with the, you know, they're playing with an existing home story to be like, oh, but it doesn't really mean anything, which is the first time they introduce Holmes and his explanation, which is an actual explanation for oh, the home case with the speckled band. And then they completely abandon that, you know, in that story. And the same kind of thing, I, I think, is probably going to happen here. We're like, oh, we're going to introduce the Red-Headed League to, to make you think we're going one direction. And then we're just completely abandon the, the Holmes canon and, and just go in our own sort of uh, story here. I was figuring, yeah, well, I was figuring because of, um, what do you call it? Uh, oh, geez. You know, because, um, oh, they brought up the Redheaded League, like, kind of before with the pawnbroker. That's why I was kind of thinking, like, they probably won't do two things with it. So this is kind of, you know what I mean? Like, why it's maybe kind of like a, co- a, co- a comic sort of thing more than anything super relevant, you know? Yeah. Also, um, another reference 
to the to the right-handed league um uh that the when venus is saying that she tried to pawn off the the um the watch she said she she tried to sell to uh jebez jebez wilson is actually the person in the red-headed league who's the pawnbroker or jabez yeah so it's another they're throwing uh, throwing one of their many references to these two stories again into this into this uh, episode gotcha do you want to know another theory that i had which is a meta one mm-hmm. um because you know this chapter ends on an investigation i was trying to figure out how that could work I was thinking maybe, um, no, you know, I guess I won't say anything just because I know, but like, you know, it's like, I was thinking maybe something will happen where this trial can't finish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not that it's going to be like chapter one, two, where like it ends with like that kind of thing, but like something bad's going to happen to like, you know, Von Zeeks or Cosmo or both or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, um, yeah, so that was my other theory, but you know. I had, I had, we, we, we haven't recorded in a little bit, so I had a lot of time to think of stuff. <laughs> um, anyhow, speaking of, I think for next time, it's, we, we might as well close out the chapter here, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So tune in next time when we close out the chapter. All right. Well, until then, ladies and gentlemen, have a good one. <laughs>